0: And welcome to the Striped Onion Show, where we peel them back good. And now to our host, the man with the plan,
1: Sergeant Peel. Welcome back, friends and family. I am excited for today's show. We've got a great guest today. Today's SOS call is the Eric Skidmore from the South Carolina Law Enforcement Assistance Program. Now, I described him as the, in the beginning, but it's actually a lot better than that. It is the Dr. Reverend Eric Skidmore. You know, a lot of people, you think we'd call him Doc or something like that, but no, this guy's as down to earth as it gets. He signs everything with the letter E. His emails, his text, letter E. That's how we know him, it's E. I'll, I'll tell you that right now, and I'm probably going to give him some crap about it in the, the show today, so just be ready for that. Side note, anyway, before we get into the SOS call, I'm going to tell you right now, I need y'all to do me a favor. Share today's SOS call on your social media platforms, and then make sure to comment after the show. Don't matter what you're listening to, we'll respond to you. We want to know what you want to hear. We want to better this show so that we can reach our first responder friends and family. Also, take a minute to check out our website, thesosshow.com and sign up for the email notifications for future shows and events. So without hesitation, without further ado, I'm going to go straight to our SOS call with Eric. Hey, Dr.
2: Skidmore, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well, Sarge. Thank you for having me.
2: Well, I am so happy to have you on the show. I'm going to tell you, I warned, I don't even want to say warned, because I warned our listeners in my intro about having some people that are outside the first responder to community. Um, I called them the unfiltered or maybe the people without filters. I can't remember how I said it. But I also said I had some really good people in there, too, not to talk bad about them, but some really good people like yourself, uh, people, of, people of faith, people of ministry, uh, preachers, ministers, uh, you name it. One of the first ones I obviously wanted to get on one of my first shows, of course, I wanted to be you, so... I am very appreciative and thankful for what you do, and I'm appreciative that you're agreeing to be on the show today. So thank you for being here. Um, to my listeners, I'll tell you this: uh, if if you've heard the name Dr. Eric Skidmore or the Reverend Eric Skidmore, a lot of us know him as E because that's how he signs text and how he signs emails. It's just E. Um, but Dr. Skidmore is probably one of the most loved non-first responder people inside the first responder community. That's the best way I can describe it. Uh, he's been a, in the a ministry field for, uh, I couldn't even tell you how many years. That, we're going on three decades now? Is that right, E? That's right,
0: 30 years, ordained in uh, 1990 right after seminary.
2: There you go. So 30 years. Wow. it, it probably It probably feels like yesterday. It just started.
0: <laughs> That's right.
2: Well, I'm going to tell you, it feels like just yesterday that I got to meet you, and that was in the mid-2000s-ish, um, and it was it was pretty unique how I met you, but uh, one of the things I'll say is I have never met a more kind and gentle person uh, with such a huge passion for helping people other than you, so I'll tell you thank you from, from the bottom of my heart for that.
0: Well, thank um, you so much.
2: Well, it, you, there's a lot of people that feel that way about you, and I'm, I know I'm speaking for a lot. So, if you will, just take a quick minute and, and just tell our SOS friends how you are involved in the First Responder world, because like I said, you're a preacher, so preach. Tell them. Right. Tell
0: right. I'll tell them. Uh, so, Sarge, I was uh, serving in a congregation in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, started in 1990, Um, I was recruited to be a volunteer chaplain with the state police in um, 1993 after a pretty uh, tough incident down in Horry County in the area around Nichols um, and Longs. And um, uh, it involved the uh, uh, injury of several officers, a helicopter getting shot, and uh, a sniper ending up taking the life of the bad guy. Um, But uh, the wounding of the officers was uh, particularly uh, tough, as well as, uh, of course, the officer-involved shooting uh, where the sniper took his life. But the uh, chief of SLED, the chief of the state law enforcement division, was um, worshiping at that church where I was serving, and he walked out the door shortly after that incident. And said, "Hey, would you consider being a uh, volunteer chaplain with the state law enforcement division And I, I think without even uh, knowing what the job description was, I said that'd be fine. I'd love to uh, be of assistance if I can. So um, that was sort of the start of it. so more than uh, let's see I've, I've been uh, all, I'm in my twenty fourth year doing this, so that was about twenty seven years ago um, and uh, in 1996 was part of a crew that wrote a uh, federal grant application under the Victims of Crime Act, and that uh, was just a dream, really, uh, just uh, uh, something we were hoping for but didn't know if it would come to pass, and lo and behold, the grant was granted. And it provided funds to uh, open up the office, which became uh, eventually the South Carolina Law Enforcement Assistance Program. And uh, that was how we how we got started, uh, 1997 to the present. Wow. That's
2: 97, so that that'll put me at about the 10-year mark before I even got involved. And it was very well established when I got involved in it, so, you know, for 10 years. And I know of some of the ones that were in from the beginning, and I still know them, and we talked about one we talked about several of them last uh, last show uh my last show and I'll tell you uh was the newest re- retired captain from the Georgia State Patrol Mr. Andy Carrier uh right. Andy talked about a few of those people um Joe Jonell down from the PD that you're talking about with uh-huh. that incident that got you involved um but you know other other LEAP organizations in other states, people like Aaron Back and stuff like that. So talking about the people in Texas a little bit. Yeah. Um, And they, uh,
0: you know, it's interesting um, if it's any measure of the uh, how much police officers love to help other police officers. uh, There are some guys who were in the original training class with the peer support team, and I know that's how we came to be connected with each other after your critical first critical incident that i knew you from um and those guys are still involved so uh Mm -hmm. 23 and a half years later um they are still helping other police officers i had a north carolina trooper tell me one time he said you know i did a lot of cool stuff over the years with the north carolina patrol uh from defensive tactics to teaching in the academy to uh uh, all the wonderful things they let me do. But he said the best thing I ever did was helping other police officers through our peer support team.
2: I think I would personally have to agree with that statement, too. I, I've done some really awesome stuff. I've I've been on some, I'd say crazy, but at the same token, awesome missions, investigations, call-outs, calls, both on the police fire side. Um, I, and I'm going to tell you, I, I don't think I get any more enjoyment Than I do when I'm actually going somewhere and helping other officers. I agree, or other firefighters. So, yeah, I'd have to agree with that statement of of that North Carolina guy. And I got an idea who you're talking about, but I'm not (laughs) going to guess on the show. But we probably talked about him last week, too. He might be a retired guy.
0: He's now (laughs) retired, and uh, we stay in touch with him. Um, But uh, there was not anything he liked more about being a police officer than helping other police officers. Uh, that Absolutely, was his, his calling and his his passion.
2: Absolutely, and that's that's pretty much how I feel about it too. So, well, good. Um, so, wanna tell me about what SC Leap really does. What is SC Leap? Uh, we call it SC Leap. That's the South Carolina Law Enforcement Assistance Program that he talked about. What is SC Leapy?
0: Sure. So, um, Sarge, I I hope folks will. Uh, Either um, go to our website and/ or download the app that we've just created. It's just uh, S.C. Leap on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Just search SCLEAP, and there's an overview there. But put it put simply, um, SCLEAP Leap started this is how I got involved in. It, it started as a chaplaincy program only. But then um, as 1997 turned to 98 and on towards the end of the grant funding period and uh, partnership with other state agencies, um, it became um, much more than a chaplaincy program. It morphed into a program that was, uh, well, it's very much a hybrid. In some ways, it it, uh, is an internal EAP program for law enforcement in the state, but it was uh, Often talk about it in terms of uh, the hub of a wheel uh, with a lot of spokes going out. One of the main spokes is chaplaincy, of course, but then two or three or four fo- spokes are um, peer support, where we're going out into the field as we did yesterday with uh, a local department here in South Carolina that suffered a uh, the death of an officer in a collision. Uh, on Friday, and uh, our peer support team was there yesterday to do what's called a crisis management briefing. So that's an example of uh, the peer support work that's going on in our state really every week. Every week uh, we've got peer team members, mental health professionals, chaplains out uh, working with state and local police officers. Um, One of the things that morphed out of that process was the need for a formal way to follow up with officers. So we um, adopted, adapted, we borrowed a model that the FBI created in 1983 called a post-critical incident seminar. Uh, Your listeners may know all about that already. Uh, But it is our formal way to follow up with officers who've been through horrific events on the job and may be feeling stuck in some way. Um, So we Um, provide the uh, PCIS, the Post-Critical Incident Seminar, four times a year here in South Carolina. And, of course, Sarge, you're a part of the team that uh, provides those seminars, and it's now expanded to nine other states. Um, We also have a similar type program based on the same platform uh, using uh, those same skills around the area of traumatic grief. So that's the Traumatic Loss Seminar. Um, we also have one focused on uh, soldiers and soldier cops who've been deployed to the war zone, uh, called a post-deployment seminar, or a, also a compass program. Um, so it's the it's the chaplaincy, it's the peer support, it's the seminar program, and then there's a whole range of additional services SCLEAP has developed over those last 23 and a half years. Everything from addiction uh, services to uh, post-deployment referrals to a whole cadre of mental health professionals all trained in eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. Um, We're constantly working on uh, ways that to provide help to police officers and staff and their families that really is help. Um, So I'll stop there.
2: No, no. I, I'll I'll tell you this. The I'm gonna go. It, it kind of brought up a an idea or a conversation that me and uh, Andy Carrier had last week. Right. Okay. I said I said basically, yeah, that that Skidmore guy is the only preacher I know that's committed a crime of theft from the FBI and was never charged. <laughs> he kind of agreed, and he talked about something else. And I said, I'm going have to add to it right now. I don't realize how much he may have stolen. But how much he was praised for it, because it wasn't a stealing per se, uh, <laughs> as it was a repurposing, and it, it grows every time we turn around. We, we might modify one piece of it here and there. But the PCI has uh, PCIS, excuse me, has done so much for not just individuals, but marriages, families uh, and whole departments sometimes. We've had major turnarounds. At that yeah. kind of event, so it's yeah. not just here that that's happened. I've been, I know you've been to more states than I have. I've been to four different states to PCISs, and even though there might be little changes here and there in how those states run those PCISs, they all have the same results in the end. And it is crazy how life-changing you know, those, those are. So.
0: Well, thank you. It's. Uh, you it started is- it,
2: so I'm, well, I'm pointing my finger and.
0: <laughs> it's a team effort and uh we never could pull it off in any of those states if we weren't doing it as a team. Um I think of so many uh wonderful peer support team members, mental health professionals who have uh who have really come to the table and I was telling someone about it last week. I said, you know what's interesting about this is uh the number of folks who were on the South Carolina team who they wouldn't miss one uh if they didn't have to uh they gain so much energy and and such a warm feeling of uh of um support for one another uh for help on their own uh uh stuckness if you will um that I all of our peer team members love to come and uh, I wish we could do 12 a year and uh, um, that would mean we would be uh, able to include many more peer team members on a regular basis. Um, There are other states that are in the offing. I'm hoping and praying, uh, as a chaplain might do, that um, Connecticut might join us very soon, that Louisiana may join us, that Florida may join us, that West Virginia may join us. All four of those states have come and um, expressed to me personally their interest in bringing this program to their state,
2: uh, that's that's awesome. Because I'm gonna tell you, it's <laughs> the states that we've already partnered with, um, and it, we've all seen it. That, the ones that are on the inside. I mean, when we get a email saying, "Hey, we need to borrow so many people to go to this state so we can get this from Crunk Up, or "Hey, we need to, you know, Texas needs to borrow three this time because, you know, because of this, that, or the other," and, and most of the time it's without question it's like yeah no problem we'll get we'll figure it out and then you know we we end up sending what they need Uh, so the the partnerships and the relationships across the United States with this because it's quickly spread to the Midwest there are southern states all over the southeast it's up in the New England area so yeah yeah, you know as well as I do as time uh, goes forward you're going to keep seeing this thing move on out to the west coast so
0: well, I, ho- I hope and pray that that's the case, because uh, by the time we all retire, I hope many, many states uh, have their own PCIS program. And, uh, you know, like um, like Alcoholics Anonymous, there's the uh, 12 Steps, but also there's something called the 12 Traditions uh, that are paired with those 12 Steps. And in the PCIS program, we have Traditions. And one of those traditions is that we help each other. Um, nobody's really making, no, no organization is uh, uh, traveling around and uh, hosting PCISs in different states. Part of the tradition is that we help each other, and our dream is that uh, uh, Louisiana and Florida and West Virginia and Connecticut, they have their own PCIS. And it's, uh, very much an interagency program in each state. So, uh, the tradition of helping each other, of showing each other the way and loaning our peers, uh, to those states who need particular kinds of peers. Maybe they need a, uh, maybe they need guys who were involved in a chase that was a fatality at the end of it, or they need some SWAT guys, or they need aviators, or they need, uh, canine folks. But, uh, now we've got 10 states with those kind of resources to share with each other and with other states
2: yeah we kinda that's one thing we, we talk about is kinda of interesting you pretty much could figure out within a a matter of minutes uh, if we needed to hook up a specific type peer with a specific type person involved in an incident you know whether it's a you know a left-handed short guy <laughs> you, you could probably stop for about three minutes and figure out all right, my, my shortest left-handed guy is this person I'm gonna call them and hook them up that's just how you are I mean you've that's the network that you've created and our SOS followers need to understand how serious this is this is such a awesome resource to our first responders uh, and that's that's the one thing that we keep spreading this stuff over to is into the fire and EMS side because Yes, Leap is a law enforcement assistance program, but it doesn't really kind of close off just the law enforcement because several PCISs, we've seen people outside of law enforcement there because they were involved in an incident with law enforcement. Right. Um, I I know Georgia, they've had firefighters, strictly firefighters involved in some of their PCIS events, and um, Texas had one same way, so. That's that's pretty unique that it's it's not closed-minded to law enforcement. It is open to first responders. It's just kind of tight right now and trying to – and I know we're still trying – I know the pandemic kind of slowed us down on us creating a fire and EMS-only PCIS, uh, and I hope that will kick back up once things get into some kind of level of normalcy, if you will. So
0: yes that's certainly the the plan the South carolina firefighters association and the associated fast team members uh e m s fire uh dispatch uh the folks who are um on the what is the called the fast team um they are making plans to uh uh bring online as you say uh PCIS focused on, on their population and uh we're we're gonna help them launch that and uh then they will they will take it over and it will be theirs so they'll run with it.
2: Uh, just like uh South Carolina Department of Corrections.
0: Mm-hmm. They did
2: a corrections based PCIS. I mean that's yeah. that's awesome. Have they done two now? Um uh, they, they, they did one before the part. pandemic.
0: I think they've done more than that. Um, and okay. I've, got, I've got their schedule uh, And had not not been for the pandemic They would have been doing them right along and along But uh, yeah. uh, Karen Ho Who is the coordinator of their, their program Wonderful um, lady Is a wonderful lady And one of the things that's so important On the law enforcement side With regard to this topic Is Karen Every time they do one now They invite uh, the administrators of detention centers all across our state to send their detention officers to join the correction officers, and that is a true gift right there.
2: Oh yeah, because so that's that's a that's a different world. Yeah. Uh, and I could I could I'd be the first to say I could go to those PCISs. I could probably help them up to a certain point, but I'm not corrections. You know, right. I, I I respect them, but I've never done their job so. They're gonna give some trust in me, but they're not gonna give that full 100% trust because I didn't walk through the same walls they have. Right. So I, 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 that's an awesome thing. Just that—that's that's one thing I was stoked about was that growing, and then getting notified that fire and EMS was right behind it. They're trying. So it's—it's it's not trying. It's gonna happen. I think pandemic the biggest thing that screwed that up, but it's just a speed bump. I'd like to say it's gonna happen, guys. So. I'm looking forward to that. We'll put it that way.
0: It's coming and I think we'll be asking for uh for help in South Carolina from the North Carolina uh Fire EMS and the Georgia Fire EMS folks who are familiar with PCIS already. Um so yeah, they'll, they'll be several
2: in the Augusta area, I do know that. So Yes,
0: yeah. So some of those uh some of those peers will be right there on the front lines uh in that first team of PCIS folks. That's awesome,
2: looking forward to it I'm looking so forward I'm looking forward to these other states to crank them up i'm just it's time to it's time to start flowing, especially right now. It seems like our first responders have been hit um more emotionally and mentally over the last few months in addition to the pandemic than than your average um day of a first responder so do know that there's programs out there guys that, you know there's s e leap is is I'd like to say the forefront of this whole thing, but Eric will never say that. He'll just say that we're a one big team, and it's true. Um, but I'm I'm super proud to be a part of uh, what Eric has created, and like I said, it's spreading like wildfire across the nation. So it's it's going to be awesome. You know,
0: Sarge, it was uh, interesting. The National Sheriffs Association, in partnership with the Justice Clearinghouse, um, which is an educational Uh, organization invited us to come on recently and we uh, did two pieces on the PCIS. One was kind of an overview of the program and then uh, about 20 minutes about the research related to PCIS that is being carried out by Dr. Joe Chang uh, MD PhD uh, associated with the Medical University of South Carolina. He's one of our partners and, uh, and he's also
2: another good guy and good resource. I love seeing him around the PCIS. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but keep going. I just want to shout no, out Dr. Okay. The, the uh
0: and the the second part part B of that program was uh uh the Texas uh administrator over the PCIS, the Kentucky administrator, um and the uh, uh a third one. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Well, Andy Carrier was going to be on the program, and he got called away for an emergency. uh, Kit Cummings with the Virginia program. So uh, I'll just say that both of those clips uh, from Justice Clearinghouse are on the uh, uh, brand-new app under the PCIS button. So take a look at it. Oh, wow.
2: Cool. Yeah, I started looking through that app. It just came out last week. Am I right?
0: That's right. It, it, well, it took a number of months, seven or eight months to get it to that point with all the design and creation and then a, a review by the um, security folks uh, just to be sure we were on track. But it is now available to the world um, uh, under the Apple Store and under Google Play.
2: It's got some good resources in there, guys. Y'all, y'all might want to look at it. And otherwise, you, you know, the, the websites are still great. SELEAP.org. Uh, it's got some good information on there, videos. Gives you some insight on what the PDSs, the PCISs, and the STLSs are about. Um, one thing I do want to talk about, e, I want to talk about basically the simplicity of peer support uh, at this point. So uh, I know we had the incident in the upstate where we had an officer killed in the car. Ricky talked about it a few minutes ago. Um, there's actually a pretty unique process with helping not just departments but multi-agency departments that go through stuff like this um, and not using just that one as an example. If you got some other ones you want to, but say something very traumatic, like, unexpected like that happens, what's some resources that you can spread to our SOS followers uh, for services that are available? Sure.
0: So uh, peer support, we, we discovered that um, – when we got started, that the officers that we were dealing with in relationship to critical incidents, in particular, um, they would listen to to people like me, who I'm a trump my training and background is a clergy person, um, and they'd listen to the mental health professionals, but it was in no way comparable to how they would listen to other uh, police officers. And we said, you know, if we're going to get traction with this group, we've got to have A very robust peer support program. Uh, So we began right away. Um, Our first training was with Dr. Roger Solomon who was the clinical director of 29 of our our first 29 PCIS's. Uh, Andy uh, Grueler is the uh, clinical director now in South Carolina. Um, But uh, Dr. Solomon trained us and then Andy Grueler and I uh, went and got some We went to the Train the Trainer program uh, and are able to provide peer support training in South Carolina very, very inexpensively. And uh, as a matter of fact, um, in the next two or three months, I'll be training uh, with you guys down in uh, North Augusta. I'll be training with um, the Greenville Sheriff's Office and the Anderson Sheriff's Office, and not just me, but uh, Andy Grueler. Uh, and other members of our training staff, Uh, Dave Tafawa, Joe Nell, uh, Guy Van Horn, um, uh, uh, Melissa Durando in uh, North Carolina. So we're going to be hosting some training. But really, right there, what you're talking about, I think if there's uh, a cup, if if there's a measurement, I'm not sure what the measurement size is, but if you're looking at the secret sauce, of what makes SC LEAP work and makes these other programs work around the country, you cannot leave out, you cannot underestimate the use of peer support in what we do. Um, police officers are skeptical by nature. Um, they, uh, when when you sat down in Henderson County, North Carolina last week. Uh, following a felonious assault on an officer. An officer was murdered up there. Um, It was immediately clear when the officers who were impacted by that critical incident came into the room, there was a mental health professional in the room with you, but that person was not leading the process. They were there as a resource. It was the other five police officers who were peer support personnel who were there to lead them through uh what might be a psychoeducational process or uh psychological first aid perhaps. Uh these are all these are descriptors of, of uh peer support in some ways. But um they the officers themselves will say to us, and again, more than twenty years now, they've they've said what, what you brought to us in our time of crisis, in the days right after our friend was killed or right after we had to go to that wreck where those little children were killed or whatever uh, horrific event it is, they will say it was really helpful to hear from people who we were clear got it. They understood what we do because they do what we do back in their home agency. So the secret sauce very much of the uh, peer support of the SD-LEAP and of the PCIS is that peer support element. Yeah, I I would agree. Um,
2: The biggest thing I'm going to add to it that I've learned through the years, uh, building on what you just said, is it is not just for one person, though. Um, the, The biggest thing that I've learned, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, the biggest thing that I've learned, is when you've got one person obviously affected by it, that means you have at least a handful more who aren't showing it but are also affected. So it could be, depart- it could be department-wide. Uh, the resources that are available, building on what he said, is a very specific to we've got stuff in place to help large quantities of people inside these first responder communities. So.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I heard uh, one of our lead peer team members yesterday when we were in Anderson, South Carolina, he was he was making a, a little presentation to the officers impacted by the death of this officer in a collision. And he was talking about um, the impact of a critical incident, not only on the officer, but on their family. And he said, Like he always says in PCIS, he said, if it happened to you, it happened to those that love you. Um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. We need to to provide peer support not only to the officers and the staff of the department who are so impacted by the the injury or the death of an officer to the home front where uh, spouses, significant others, partners live that uh, need the care and support of the peer support program as well.
2: Well, one thing I've noticed that you've, you've done well with, and, and it's, it's very surprising on how well it is, um, we've had, you know, we've talked about felonious uh, assaults and murders on police officers and stuff like that or, or just traumatic, traumatic calls. Like I said, whole departments. You've got stuff prepared in such a way that you can react based on the request and needs of the department that sends it to you where you could set stuff up for even spouses to have some level of, like you said, kind of like a psychological first aid, a crisis management briefing, um, to address some of the spouses' and significant others' needs, too. We've seen that numerous times. I've been on several deployments with you numerous times. uh, Those things have been very, very beneficial as well. So
0: kudos on doing
2: stuff like that.
0: I'm I'm thinking about... uh... Sarge, I'm thinking about um, when in uh, here in our state in Aiken County we had the the murder of two police officers less than 40 days apart in the same department. And um, working with that department, we we not only provided services to the sworn officers, uh, but at the request of the director, we provide services to the non-sworn personnel and also to the spouses and significant others that we, uh, we didn't want to leave them out uh, when um, in York County uh, very recently uh, we had the murder of Mike Doty, who was a SWAT officer, and uh, Kevin Tolson, who is the sheriff, said we're not only going to do something for these officers that are impacted by this, but we want to bring the spouses and significant others together. And I remember watching the sheriff talk for more than an hour and a half. Uh, and do a presentation on the facts, but also questions and answers from those spouses and significant others who are so concerned, and rightfully so, about their officers and their their wellness and their mental health.
2: Well, and, and the goal with most of these deployments, and this is one of the things we highlight on when we introduce it, is to reduce the long-range impacts of these things. So mm-hmm. that right there is just another way that I can promise you, The sheriff up there was going through a lot, just like the police chief here went through a lot. And believe it or not, inside those 40 days, they had a transfer of power. You had one chief retiring, another chief coming in. And their transition happened in between these two officers' murders. So you actually have two police chiefs going through this. You have one going out the door retiring who went through the first one. And then the new chief coming in, he went through the second one, knowing that the first chief is going through it as well, even though he's retired. That was one of his, uh, I'd say guys, that was one of his gals. Yeah, in fact, one of his gals that he worked with for many, many years. Uh, So, yeah, you've got the effects that are not just with the active members of the department. It can go further than that. So having those services for retirees, for spouses, for non-sworn, the department you were speaking of uh, in Aiken County, they were a mixed department, police and fire. Right. You, you had firefighters affected. You had the whole gambit, EMS affected, because obviously, EMS and a fire service who does first responder type stuff, they work closely together. So they were affected. So yeah, it was it was a pretty unique situation, but you had stuff like it was meant to be, ready to go, and that what was a- one thing that I've noticed that is not just you, but it's it's South Carolina, it's Georgia, it's North Carolina, it's Texas. And if they don't have it right there, it is nothing but a phone call away to call one of the other groups, other states, nonprofit, and say, hey, can you hook me up with this type of peer or this person? That's one thing I can't get over enough that we have such great resources. So if you want to add to that, go
0: ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it is – it's been such a blessing in South Carolina that, um, that the four state police agencies and the Office of the Adjutant General have come together to fund the staff of SC elite And what that means is we have the luxury of thinking about it all the time. And my hope and prayer for the other states is that they will continue to develop through training and through funding and through the endorsement of the administrations of state and local police officers, that they will all continue to build on what they have already. And uh, as I think about what happens to uh, local officers and state police officers, I'm going to mention federal agents in a minute, but um, it's almost like a trajectory of care. So we, we are doing... Um, Education at the front end, we're talking to chiefs and sheriffs and the commanders of the state police and we're talking about the resources that are out there. This app was sent to uh, every, every uh, uh, email address I had and I will be sending it out further to other officers across our state and across the country. But uh, the creation of a trajectory of care. That is not only the initial training uh, and preparation for when bad things happen, but then the having in place your peer support team to apply the 10 different interventions of critical incident stress management. That's not the only game in town, that's not the only method of providing care to officers. It, it is the one that we use in South Carolina. Um, there are other forms of peer support that are out there. Uh, We happen to find that one to fit our needs, sort of the high-speed operations of law enforcement. But then, in addition to the initial peer support program, uh, each state needs to have in place a culturally competent team of mental health professionals uh, that understand uh, law enforcement culture and fire culture and EMS and dispatcher culture. That understand particular modalities for helping officers who are stuck. Uh, Our preferred method of helping uh, is uh, often EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. We need to have resources where we can refer officers when they uh, begin to use maladaptive coping mechanisms, like uh, like uh, drinking too much alcohol or prescription medicine uh, to numb their pain. Uh, or when they need help with their marriage and family issues, or they've come back from the war zone and they've got post-deployment things going on, as well as uh, facing the stress of law enforcement. So I think about that trajectory of care, of, of the preparation, and then the incident happens, and then how you respond to it in the moment, but then how you respond to it over the course of the next year, two years, ten years, um, that's so important so important yeah I
2: agree I agree that's that's one of the things I'm gonna tell you I I've I keep saying it over and over I am so thankful uh, to be involved in it I'm so thankful for it to exist and I know I'm not the only one saying it because they're saying it all across all these states that are involved you know you were talking about how South Carolina's got it you know when we talked to Andy carrier on the last show Andy talked about Georgia's office uh, public safety office of peer support I believe is what it's called right Right. Uh, the same thing there. They've got a funded office that is focused on just that. So Amen. that's awesome. I hope to see more and more states doing it. I hope to see their office grow. I hope to see your office grow. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the future of, of taking care of our first responders. Um, it, it needs to keep growing. We need to keep taking care of it. We talk about technology and technology and technology. Of course, every agency has got to keep up with technology. But every agency also needs to keep up with the mental health of their employees. So if I say one thing that hits somebody's head that's listening, that's not inside the peer support systems, your mental health is first and foremost, because without that, the rest of it is going to fall apart. Yes.
0: Well, uh, Sarge, I was thinking about um, that whole process of wellness. It's become such a, a hot issue of late. Um, I uh, had a a department call me uh, actually just this morning and was pleased to say, all right, we've got peer support for your person who's struggling. Um, I've got a mental health point of contact in either direction from your city uh, that we can send them to that are endorsed by our program, culturally competent trained in uh, the things that they need to be trained in as licensed professional counselors and uh, also by the way here is an MD here's a psychiatrist here in our state who's a former police officer and he can get on the phone with that department um, he can talk about medicine uh, he can talk about referral so it's uh Anyway, it, it doesn't happen over a short period of time. It's it's taken many years to get to that point and we've got a lot of a lot of room to grow. We've got things yet to do in this area. Yeah, I agree.
2: Well, how about this? Um we, we do need to wrap it up. I, I want to give you a chance just to throw out some final thoughts. I mean do you do you gotta I, I'd even say hey, we're talking to the preacher, not a preacher, the preacher. <laughs> uh the friend of the badge. Do you got a maybe a favorite bible verse or maybe how about a or even a, a funny joke or something? Do you got something that you could really bring this home uh <laughs> to close this thing out?
0: Well, the uh the uh funny uh there's a funny joke that we tell at many PCIS. Somebody's going to ultimately tell it at the end of a PCIS and it's really based on the story of the good Samaritan. It's the uh police officer who falls in a hole And, uh, first the doctor comes by and looks down in the hole and, and the guy says, Hey, can you help me get out of here? And the fella says, uh, the doctor says, well, let me write you this prescription. I'll throw it down to you. That doesn't help him very much. Uh, then they, they, the peers sort of, uh, they sort of knock on the preacher a little bit. And the preacher says, Hey, let me, uh, throw write this prayer for you and throw it down in the hole. And, um, that doesn't help him. That's nice, but it doesn't help him get out of the hole. And then a peer team member comes by and says he jumps down in the hole with him. And he says, uh, "What? Why did you jump in the hole? Now we're both down here." And he says, "Yeah, but I've been here before and I know the way out." So it, that's a great story. It's based on the uh, story of the uh, of the uh, uh, good Samaritan, and um, I always like to hear it. So. I hope that folks will look at our, our new app. There's a lot of information there. There's a brand-new uh, public safety chaplaincy training program there. There's something called Clinical Pastoral Education um, that we're doing for the first time. It's a public safety-focused clinical pastoral education, um, and it's online. Now, there's part of it that you got to go and be face-to-face with officers with, but if you want a uh, – if you want an ACPE, that's a designation for a unit of clinical pastoral education, uh, this is the program for you. So take a look at that app.
2: Oh, that's awesome. That's another, I think I saw the tab for it, but I didn't click on it because I wasn't a pastor, but I'm glad you said it. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I've got to look into that app a lot more. Um, I'll just go more. Eric, friend, brother, I appreciate you. Thank you for being on the show. Um, you know, I know I'm going to be seeing you again here soon because we have phone calls with each other and, and we have deployments together. So, again, thank you, and I look forward to seeing you in the future, brother.
0: All right, Sarge, thanks so much for having me.
1: Thanks again for listening, friends. Let me tell you, we are greatly appreciative of your support of the SOS show, the Striped Onion Show, and we are just as grateful for the friends we have inside our CISM network. Don't forget to share today's SOS call on your social media platforms. That is critical to getting the word out. And also make sure to leave some comments on whichever platform you listen to us on. We will respond to you. Visit our website at some point, thesosshow.com and check it out, see what we have there. Sign up for the email notifications about shows and events we have coming up in the future. This is all about the first responders, about their support circles. So we want to make sure that it is impactful. And until next time, we hope everyone has a great day and a great week. Y'all stay safe
0: out there, and God bless.